The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. I'm so excited to be with you to open up the Word of God. Wasn't worship so good today? I, I thought our worship team just did an incredible, incredible job. And uh, I, I believe God has something for you today. In fact, my goal for today, I'm going to let you know what my goal is right up front. My goal today is to help build some hope in you. I want to encourage you today because you know what? There's a lot of discouragement going on right now. There's a lot of bad things happening in the world right now. And, and you need some You need some hope, and I believe that the Word of God is full of hope and life for you. And we're going to start a new series today called Faith Over Fear that we're going to be in over the next couple of weeks. And and, and the reason we're doing this is because there is a lot of fear going around right now. But, But the good news for you and for me today is this, that God is in control, that God is is good, and as Christians, this is our time to shine. I want you to know that. This is the day that the Lord has made. That's what the Bible tells us. And I want you to think about something real quick. This is the day that the Lord has made, and you are the people that he called to be living during this day. God, it's not a mistake that you're living today. It's not a mistake that you find yourself in the middle of this world at this time. God knew, and and think about this, God chose to have you live during this season, during this time. And he chose you for a good reason. Because here's what God wants to do. God wants to use you to be a minister, to make a difference during this incredibly opportune time that we find ourselves in right now. In fact, look at this with me. This is Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah here is quoting from God. Isaiah is a prophet and he's given a quote of what God is saying. He says this, he says, arise, shine for your light has come and the glory, and this word glory that, that, that he uses here, it means the weight of all that God is. The weight of all that God is, look at what it says, the, the glory of God rises upon you. The weight of all God is wants to rise upon you. God wants to use you right now during this time. He wants to, in the middle of this problem, in the middle of this coronavirus mess that we find ourselves in, God wants his glory, his, his light to rise upon you and be seen through you. He goes on to say this, darkness covers the earth. Boy, do we know that to be true, don't we? A thick darkness is over all the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you. God wants, to see, wants you to see yourself as a part of the solution. God's not just using pastors right now. He's not just using worship leaders right now. He's not just using the worship leader's wife and the pastor's wife. No, no. He wants to use you. He wants to use you right where you are right now. His glory appears over you. Now check this out. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. In other words, this is going to be attractive to the world around you. And it's going to be something that they want. I want you to recognize today, we as Christians are called to be ministers at this opportune time to make an eternal difference. Now, before I get into the message I want to share with you this morning, I want to talk about, real quick, just three things that we need to really focus on if that's what we're going to do. If we're going to make the most of the season that we find ourselves in, there's three things we got to focus on. The first one is this, we got to give hope. We have to be people who are giving hope. 
You, you, you need to find hope today. And I hope that this message gives you some hope today. Because the world needs hope. Your world needs hope. Your spouse needs hope. Your kids need hope. The people you work with at your job, they need hope. The world around us needs hope. And we're called to bring this hope into the world. So I, I want you to hear me this morning. We're going to make it. We're going to survive this thing. We're going to make it through on the other side. God's going to use us to make an impact. And I believe that our best days are still our next days. Can I get an amen? Look at this verse. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 10 says this. It says, He has delivered us from such a deadly peril. And He will deliver us again. On Him we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us. I want you to say this with me this morning. Say this. He has... He will, and He will continue to deliver us. He has, He will, and He will continue to deliver us. I want you to find hope in that today. God is good, and God is for you, and God is with you. Romans eight twenty eight says this. It says, we know that in all things. Everybody say all. all. Right there in your living room, say all. all. Now let me ask you, is coronavirus an all thing? Absolutely it is. Is What we're dealing with is, is the loss of a job. Is that an all thing? Is, is, is some of the financial issues that are going on in the world right now, is that an all thing? Of course it is. We know that in all things, look at this, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Here's what that means. God's working for people who are loving him and about kingdom business. God's going to be with you and he's going to turn this thing around for you. What then shall we say in response to these things? What do we say in response to what's going on in the world around us? What do we say in response to coronavirus? Say this with me. If God is for us, who can stand against us? I want you to make that personal this morning. Say this. If God is for me, then who can stand against me? You need to find faith in that this morning. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? What that means is Jesus came to this earth. God gave the very best he had. If he was willing to do that to take care of you and to help you, don't you think he's going to continue to take care of you and help you? Verse 35, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or coronavirus? Say this next word with me. No, no. In all things, we are more than conquerors. Verse 38, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, any power, any power, neither, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation. Are you hearing this this morning? I hope you're really getting this. Will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Look at, look at me in the eyes this morning. We're going to make it. You just keep loving God. You just keep making your life about kingdom business. And God is telling you he's going to be with you. He's going to be for you. He's going to take care of you. And I hope that, that that hope settles in your heart this morning. Because if it won't settle in your heart, you can't give it away. And that's what we're called to do. we got to have hope. we got to find hope so we can share hope. We're supposed to do that. That's who we're called to be. Here's the second thing we got to do during this time. we got to provide support. We're the church of Jesus Christ. 
We're called to make a difference. We're called to help those that are hurting. We're called to heal those who are, who are sick. We're called to make a difference in the darkness that's going on around us. And I want you to know that, that as a church that we've been a part of that. In fact, this week, it's incredible what God's been able to do. And I just want to remind you, it's because of your tithing and your giving and your faithfulness that we've been able to, to see God work through our church in amazing ways. We've been helping people within our church who have fallen on hard times. We, this, this weekend, we were able to give away thousands of pounds of food. We, we gave uh, finances to an organization called North Star bridge that's providing food and support and resources to people all across the city. We're partnering with Hope is Alive. We're partnering with all these different organizations to make an impact. We're helping senior citizens. All of this is happening because this is who we're called to be. This is what we're called to do as a church. And so we got to provide support. We got to give hope. We got to provide support. And then we got to do this. We got to stay close. Stay close. Now I know that this kind of, you know, kind of kicks a little bit at everything else that you're hearing right now. I don't know about you, but a couple weeks ago, I had never heard anyone make the statement, say the sentence before, like social distancing. That wasn't something that I'd ever heard of. And now it's like a part of our everyday language. And to be honest with you, I really don't like that term. I, I, I get what it means. And I'm, I'm not telling, listen, I'm not telling you to avoid what the health department is saying, what the doctors are saying. By no means am I saying that. You need to, you need to be smart during this season. You need to wash your hands. You need to do all the stuff that they're telling you to do. But, but I don't think you need to socially distance yourself. You need to physically distance yourself from some people. But you need to stay socially connected. We need to, as a church, practice physical distancing, but stay socially connected. And the Bible talks about this, this idea. It says this in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. It says, and let us consider. In other words, we need to be thinking about this. We need to be considering this. Consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Verse 25, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. This is something we need to continue to do as a church. This is something we need to continue to do to the world around me. I think one of the greatest dangers of the times that we're living in right now are that in the world where we're already distancing ourselves a lot, we were we read record numbers of people that were living in their own isolated little silos before this happened. We do that even more and we become more separated. That's, that's a dangerous thing. I think as a church, we have to be thinking about, as a people, we have to be thinking, how do we stay physically distancing ourselves, but socially connected? And this is why, church, I'm encouraging you. You need, to, you need to pick up the phone, and you need to call some people. You need to call some people in your small group. I, I hope that you got in a small group. If you didn't, man, you can still get in one. Reach out to some people in your world. I hope that you have a serve team. I hope that you're connected with some people here in the church. And if you are, you need to reach out to them. I hope you're in your small group. I hope that you're getting on FaceTime or you're getting in Zoom meetings and you're meeting together, not forsaking, still assembling, even though we can't assemble. We got to continue to pursue socially connecting with others. We gotta stay close. If we're going to be who God's called us to be, if we're going to be the ministers at this opportune time, listen, light shines the brightest in the darkness. It's a dark time, but it's a time for us to shine. It's a time for, the, for Jesus Christ to shine through us. It's our time. We got to connect. We got to be these ministers during this time to make an eternal difference. And I, I really do believe this. I believe 
that there are going to be people who come to faith in Jesus Christ in this season like never before. I believe that there are people who are hungry for the things of God. There are people who their life has been shaken and they're looking for something to stand on. And my friends, we have something worth standing on. So let's be a church that that gives hope, that provides support, and that stays close. Now, if you have your Bible, go over to Numbers chapter 13. I'm going to switch gears on you. And I want to talk about how to overcome fear. How we, in, in the times we're living in, in the season that we find ourselves in, how do we deal with, with some of the fear that we're facing in the world around us? And, and really what I want to talk to you about today is how to live in these days with no fear. With no fear. In the Bible... Uh, in, the, in the Gospels of, of Jesus Christ, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are the biographical stories of Jesus' life, there are 125 commandments that, that Jesus gives us, 125 command statements that he makes, 125. Of those 125, 21 times, which is more than, than double the next closest, 21 times he says, fear not. It is the most commanded statement that is, that is given by Jesus in the Gospels. Why is that? Here's why. Because there is a lot that we can get afraid of. There's a lot of stuff that, that, that can grab a hold of us and that can cause us to lose faith. And in the scenario we find ourselves in today, how do we, how do, we do this? How do we, how, do we fear, how do we fear not in these days? How do we, how do we walk with the Lord. Now, something you need to understand, okay, and some people don't want to believe this, but it really is true. There is healthy fear and there is unhealthy fear. There are healthy fears that you need to have in your life. For example, I have a healthy fear of walking out onto the highway into oncoming traffic. That's a healthy fear. I have a healthy fear of Alaskan bear country. That's a healthy fear that I have. I have a healthy fear of putting my hand into a badger cage. Like these are healthy fears that I have. And these healthy fears, they're, they're, they're there to protect me. In fact, here, here's how God gave it to me. Healthy fears enable me to create boundaries that I can control. Notice I'm in control that protect me from dangerous things. That's, that's healthy fears. When it's a healthy fear, I have some control and I can create boundaries that help protect me and that help protect my family. But there are unhealthy fears. And here's what unhealthy fears are. Unhealthy fears create prisons that control me and cause me to feel like dangerous things are inevitable. That's an unhealthy fear. Unhealthy fear is when it gets out of control. Unhealthy fear is when you, you can't sleep at night because you can't get your mind to stop racing over what's going to happen and what, what's next and what's, what's the problem. Unhealthy fear is what causes your heart to race. It what causes you to have shortness of breath. Healthy, unhealthy fear consumes us. And one of the most dangerous things about unhealthy fear is unhealthy fear competes with your faith. See, really, fear, unhealthy fear, is faith in reverse. It's the opposite of faith. Faith is this. Faith is, is trusting God. And faith is believing and looking at our future and projecting God and his hand and his work at the center of where we're going and what we're doing. That's, that's faith. Fear is the opposite. Faith is looking into the future and projecting it absent of the hand of God. Absent of God's work and help in our life. And we got to deal with this. If we're going to be who God's called us to be in this time, and if we're going to experience 
what God wants us to experience. I, I believe on the other side of this, my friends, is blessing and promotion. But you're not going to have it if you don't walk by faith. Okay, so Numbers chapter 13, I told you to turn there. Let me, let me set this up for you. In Numbers chapter 13, uh, Moses is leading the children of Israel into what's called the promised land. Now, just to kind of catch you up, a few months before this, uh, they were in, in, in Egypt in Egyptian slavery. And for 400 years, they had been slaves. There had been generations of people who had died slaves. And, and so God shows up and, and he shows up on the scene and, and you know the story. He causes these 10 plagues to take place and they end up leaving and they're blessed. And actually the, the Bible says that the Egyptians handed over gold and all this wealth and blessing. They didn't just leave. They left, they left like kings when they walked out of there. And then, you know, the, the, they cross the Red Sea. God makes a, a highway through the sea and they walk through the sea and causes it to come crashing down on the people around them. And then God begins to lead them. And the Bible says that he leads them with a cloud by day and a pillar by night. That's all going down right now. And so they've been leading them and God told them, I'm going to lead you to a promised land. It's going to be a land that is flowing with milk and honey. In other words, it's going to be a land that has good stuff in it. It's a good good land. They've never seen it. They're just trusting God to lead them there. And now they're there. They're at the land and they're getting ready to go into it. But before they do, they decide to send 12 uh, spies into the land to kind of check it out. So they send these 12 spies in and they're in the land checking it out for 40 days. They're checking it out, going all over the place, looking at this land. And finally they're returning. And when they come back, 10 of the spies have some bad news based on what they saw. And two of the spies Joshua and Caleb have good news. Let's pick this up. Numbers chapter 13, verse 27. It says this. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore. And it is indeed a bountiful country. A land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit that it produces. In other words, they're going, it's, it's exactly what God said it was going to be. It, it is the promised land. It's a good land. Now look at verse 28. But, uh-oh. There's a but here, a big but, and the but is a problem. The but is a issue. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in Negev, and the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, along the Jordan Valley. Now look at this, verse 30. Caleb, who was one of the, the, the guys who came back walking in faith, he said, Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. Verse 31, but the other men, the other people said, that, who had explored the land with him disagreed. They said, we can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad news about the land among the Israelites. The land uh, we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there. The descendants of Anak next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they all thought too. Okay, so they, they get into this land and it's what God said it was going to be. It, it's exactly what, it, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a land of promise. It's a good, it's a good land. They saw that, but you know what else they saw? They saw big people. And they saw big cities. And, and because they had a fear filter, when they saw those things, instead of seeing God, see, they weren't, they weren't projecting God in their future. They weren't projecting the hand of God at work with them as they go into this land at this point. They're just seeing the problem. And so what that caused is these things that they saw that were big became big 
problems that they felt like they couldn't get over. If you're taking notes this morning, jot this down. Fear puts problems between us and God, but faith puts God between us and our problems. Fear puts problems between us and God, but faith puts God between us and our problems. And I I think there's three things that we see in these people that if we're not careful, they're the same kind of things that can consume us in the day and age that we're living in. Three problems that we have to be aware of. Number one is this, fear will make you crazy. Fear will make you crazy. One of the things that's amazing to me about this story is you read this story and they're getting ready to go into this land and, and God has been showing up in incredible ways in their life. I mean, unbelievable what God has done. The 10 plagues, the parting of the Red Sea. These people can literally look over their shoulder and there's a cloud above their people right now that's the presence of God leading them. They can see that. And yet in this moment, they're not looking at that. They're not looking at God. They're looking at problems. And, and, And they're making crazy statements because they're focused on the problem. Fear makes you do some crazy stuff. And to help me illustrate that this morning, I present to you exhibit A, toilet paper. Why in the world is this the hot commodity right now? You, you, you know, you go into Walmart, you go into Target, you go into Sam's, you go wherever it is, you go to get groceries, and you're going to have a hard time finding this. I remember a day, a time when toilet paper was flowing like the salmon of Capistrano. It was a glorious time when we would go out and we would throw this on people's houses and on trees and TP people. But now, now, not so much the case. And I have no idea why it is that, that this happened. Like, who was the person that st- <laughs> Margie, there's a virus coming. Go load up on the Charmin. Like, what happened? I, I don't know, but that's the thing. Fear makes you crazy. And what's going on with the disciples is crazy. What they're doing or what's going on with the, the Israelite people in this moment is crazy. They're not, they're not projecting God in this future. They're, they're thinking crazy thoughts. They should have been going into this land thinking, you know what? There are big people and there are big giants and I cannot wait to see how God works this out. This is going to be cool to see how God, did you see those houses? You should see these houses, guys. These houses are so big. You're going to get one. It's just going to get handed over to you. You should see some of these kingdoms. They're, these fortified cities are amazing and we're just going to get to walk in those. God's going to hand those people over to us. I cannot wait to see how God does this. But instead, what they're thinking is, how are we going to do this? We're, we're, we're too, we can't do this. We're, we're not big enough. Listen, I want you to know fear makes you crazy. But the truth is that God is faithful. And, and, and if we're not careful, before you start thinking, well, you know, those Israelite people, you know, those ancient people, they were so silly and ancient. And their thinking was so off, you know. Before you go there, recognize that we all tend to do this. We all tend to find ourselves in seasons where problems arise, issues pop up, and those problems, we begin to focus on them instead of focusing on God. And as we focus on the problem, the problem starts to look big, and it causes us to let go of God and let go of our faith. And it really is crazy because we can look back. I know I can look back at my life and all the times God's been there for me and taken care of me and been faithful. And yet, from time to time, I too let go of faith because of the problem. Church, we, we, we can't allow that to happen. It's crazy. We've got to recognize that fear will make you crazy. The second thing that fear will do 
is fear makes you feel small. Fear makes you feel small. Look at what it says in verse 32 and and 33. They say that all the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there. Now notice that statement. All the people we saw were huge. That's not true. It's not even a true statement. We know that's not true. When they do go into this land 40 years later, not everybody was a giant, okay? Not everybody was huge. There were, I promise you, there were small people there. There were little people, all sorts of people there. But, But because of fear, they're feeling small and everything else feels big. And look what they say. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. Recognize what's going on here. They're describing what they saw, yes, but really what they're describing is how they felt based on what they saw. How they felt based on what they saw. And and here's what you need to see. Unmanaged fear in your life will always make you feel small. If you don't learn to deal with this fear stuff, it's going to make you feel small. If you don't learn to recognize and put God at the center of what's going on, then then that stuff, those problems are going to make you feel small. We got to walk by faith and not by fear. Yeah, there's big people there. Yeah, there's problems there may be big issues that we're all dealing with right now, but you can't feel like you're a grasshopper. You've got to build yourself up in the power of God. Unmanaged fear will make you fear small. Here's the, here's the third thing that we see, is, and that is that fear is contagious. Fear is contagious. Notice what it says again in verse 32 and 33. It says, so they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. So, so basically, here's what's going on. They're sharing the news. They're, 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 they're sharing this with the people around them. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. The land is going to devour people. Like, no, it's not. That's not true. All the people that we saw were huge. That, that's not true. We even saw giants there. There was just a few giants there, actually. The descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. Now, look at the next part. Look at what it says. And that's what they thought, too. In other words, when these 10 guys began to start sharing this bad news, the other people came into agreement with it. They grabbed a hold of that negative news feed and they allowed that to become what they were putting their faith in. And they forgot about all the times that God had shown up, all the times that God had been with them in the last few months. And they began to focus on the problem and the problem began to look big. People caught it because fear is contagious. It it spreads so easily. And the people actually, the Bible tells us that they were actually ready to go back into tyranny and slavery. They wanted to go back to Egypt. They wanted to go back into the prop, in, into, into slavery. They, they, they were actually ready to kill uh, Joshua and Caleb because they were telling them, no, we don't need to do this. And what happens is, as they catch this, they end up missing out on what God had for them. In fact, if you read on from here, because of their lack of faith in God, None of those people, none of that generation got to walk into the promised land. They went into the wilderness and for 40 years they had to march around until everyone in that generation except two guys were dead. You know who the two guys were? Joshua and Caleb. They were the two guys that chose to walk by faith. They were the two guys that chose to seek God in the middle of what was going on and to believe that God was going to be present as they walked in to the land. In fact, here's what Joshua and Caleb said in Numbers 14 verse 7. And I want you to know, notice as I read this, how God is right in the middle of what they're saying here. The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. 
If the Lord is pleased with us, he will, he will lead us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Notice, God's going to give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. I want you to hear that. Do not rebel against the Lord. Well, here's what they're saying. Your fear is rebellion to God. Do not rebel against the Lord. And do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone. But, look at their butt. Look at where their butt is. But the Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. Do not be afraid. You know, there's a lot of themes in the Bible. One of the major themes of the Bible that you see over and over and over again is there are problems that arise and there are people that arise that walk in faith. And those people are not only protected by God in the middle of their problems, but they're promoted by God through their problems. Like really think about it. David, Noah, Moses, Joseph, Rahab, Esther, Gideon, Jesus. You know, the cross looked like a pretty, pretty big problem. But on the other side of it was the promotion that made Jesus the King of kings and Lord of lords. And I want you to know today, there, there, there may be a problem in front of you right now, but if you'll be willing to walk by faith and not by sight and trust God and believe that God is going to be at the center of this problem with you and that his hand will be with you in your future, then God will help walk you, you through it. Church, we, we don't need to be people who are like the ten. We don't need to be people who just grab a hold of the newsfeed and, 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 and put, sink our faith in reverse into fear and what the world is saying. We need to stand in faith in what God is saying. So how do we do it? Okay, two, two quick things I want to share with you on this. Number one, you got to stop feeding your fears. you got to stop feeding your fears. Now, here's the thing. What you feed is going to grow in your life. It's just a known thing. So if you're feeding your fear, fear is going to grow in your life. And I, and I would encourage you, if you're struggling with fear, if you find yourself having anxiety, you maybe need to really take control of some of the stuff that you're feeding on right now. As I was thinking about this message this week, God reminded me of that verse that says that we're, we're to cast our cares on the Lord because he cares for us. God wants you to bring your problems to him. And some of you, God told me, you've been doing this. You're going to the Lord and you're casting your care. Lord, I give you this, this coronavirus issue. I give you this care of, of, of the job market and of my finances right now. I believe that you care for me and I believe you're gonna take care of me. So I'm casting this care on you. And right after we get done, we look at our phone and we have a Google alert because the Google alert we set for coronavirus is updating us on the latest news. And we read a report that is done from a worldly perspective that begins to tell us about how the sky is surely going to fall. Or we get on Facebook and we read post after post after post of people who are, who are looking at the problem, not looking at God. They're looking at the problem absent of God's hand and they're posting about it. And we read that and, and all of a sudden anxiety wells up inside of us and we're going to God going, God, I don't get it. I'm casting my care. Why, why am I still struggling with this anxiety? Here's what God would say to you. You keep picking it back up. You can't, if you cast your care, listen, you can't keep picking it back up. And some of you need to get serious about this. If you're struggling with fear, I would encourage you, you need to disconnect from some stuff. You need to stop some of the noise. You need to disconnect from CNN and Fox News and maybe some of the, the people that you follow on social media and some of this stuff. Disconnect from that stuff. It's not helping you. 
It's, it's, the, it's the forecast of the world, not the forecast of God. It's a fear-based forecast, not a faith-based forecast. You've got to get that stuff out of your, out of your mind because it's going to consume you. You know, the, the, the news media has a motto, if it bleeds, it leads. They're trying to get you to, to click. They, they got clickbait. They're trying to get you. So they're going to tell you the worst possible situation so they can get you to like it and share it and get on it. And some of us are falling for it and it's causing us to be full of fear. I, I, I want to encourage you. You got to disconnect from some of this stuff. And here's the second thing you need to do is you need to start feeding your faith. You know, I, I told you at the beginning of the message that I want to, I want to encourage you today. I want to give you some hope. And the encouragement that I want to give you today is not just a, you know, a good talk for 40-something minutes here, because that's, that's going to be fleeting. Really what I want to give you is I want to give you a tool for hope. And, and to help me illustrate this, let me, let me kind of share a story here. I want you to imagine that you're at the mall. Now, I know you can't do that right now, but imagine, you know, what life was like before. You're at the mall, or you're at Walmart, or you're at Sam's, or wherever it is that you can go in there and you can shop for, you know, an hour or two. And when you come out to your car, you discover that one of your tires is really low. I mean, it's so low you can't drive on. It's not completely flat, but it's super, super low. And so you don't want to have to get out your spare and replace it. So you go looking in your car to see if you got anything that can help you with this. And you go to the back of your car and you find a bicycle pump. You know, one of those little pumps that you pump like this. You find that bicycle pump and you think, okay, well, here's what I'll do. I'll just pump my tire full of some air. And then I can drive it down to the tire place and they can, they can patch it and I can be on my way. So you get that bicycle pump out and you begin to start pumping. Now, if you've never done this before, a bicycle pump on a car tire does not, does not do the job very well. So you are pumping. This is hard work. You're, you're working up a sweat. I mean, it's going to take a thousand pumps for you to get this thing full of air. So you're pumping away on this. And while you're doing that, I drive into the parking lot and I see you. And so I, I park my car and I walk over to you and I want to help you out. And so I walk up to you and I say, hey, you know, I, let me just encourage you while you're, while you're doing this right now. And so I start telling you, hey, you got this. You can do it. Keep, keep, keep pumping away. You're the, you're the right person for the job. You can do this. Come on. I believe in you. Go, go, keep going. I'm, if I tell you that for about two seconds, you're probably going to be okay. And then you're going to look at me and you're going to be like, hey, dude, shut up. Because that's not really helping you, Right? Okay, but imagine another scenario. Imagine you're, you're there and I, I pull up and I pull up beside you in my car and I, I get out of my car and I have a hose and I hand it to you and I say, hey, plug this into that problem tire and I've got a compressor in my car and I'll flip the switch on and it'll air up that tire in just a few moments. And so sure enough, you plug it into your tire, we flip the switch and boom, in a matter of seconds, your tire is completely aired up. Here, here's my point. Motivation is great, but what you really need is a tool. And what I want to give you today is a tool that will help you. Because I can't be in your house all the time. I can't be with you all the time in the middle of the night. But you know what you can have all the time? The Word of God. The Word of God is the power tool that you need to connect to the problem of fear that you're dealing with right now. Psalms 119 verse 105 says this. It says, your Word, that's talking about the Bible, the Word of God. Your Word is a lamp for my feet and it's a light to my path. It's a lamp to my feet, and it's a light to my path. Here, here's what that means. It, it shows me where, I'm, where I am. It brings revelation to the darkness of where I maybe find myself in, and it also shows me the next steps I need to take. Notice it doesn't show me, it's not a lamp to my feet and a light to the destination. It, it's a lamp to my feet and a light 
to my path. It shows me what is next so that I can take the steps necessary. It brings revelation. I don't know about you, maybe you can relate to this. When I was a kid, I had some seasons in my life where I was afraid of the dark. And I had a pretty active imagination as a kid. I remember I'd be in my room, laying in my bed, and it's dark. You know, the shadows start hitting the room just right. I remember looking in my, in my closet, and I, I see something that looks like, a, it looks like a wolf. There's a wolf in my closet. And I, and I look over in this other corner, and there's, it looks like there's some kind of an alien or something in the corner of my room. And so I get up and I, I go into my parents' room and I tell them, hey, there's some bad stuff going on in my room. I think I need some help. You know, it's great if they say, you know what, you're going to be okay. Just go back to bed. That, that's not going to help me. But what would help me is when they would walk into my room and they would flip on the light. And all of a sudden there's revelation brought to the darkness. And I can look over and I can see that wasn't a wolf. That was a football leaning against my toy box. And that wasn't some kind of a crazy alien. That was a shirt that was draped over a chair. Light brings revelation to the darkness. I want you to know that fear is darkness. And if we just live in this fear and we don't flip on the light, we're, we're gonna, our mind's going to run wild. We're going to see things. We're going to see situations that aren't even really going down. We got to get into the word. We got to flip on the word of God, the light of God. We got to get the word in our life. You got to look at the Bible. You got to study what the word of God has to say. You need to find verses in the Bible that are, that are relevant to where you find yourself right now. And you need to begin to align your thoughts and your mouth, your lips with the thoughts of God and with the word of God. God's word is God breathed. God breathed into his word. And as you take it in and begin to think on those thoughts of the word of God and begin to breathe them out of your own, your own mouth, it has creative power to change your circumstances and to set you up and to fill you up with faith. How do we get faith? Faith is over fear. Remember we said at the beginning of the message that fear is faith in reverse, that fear is the opposite of faith. Remember that? Well, recognize that faith is the opposite of fear. And just like fear will drive out faith, Faith will drive out fear. So how do we get faith? Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Listen, God, when you got saved, God gave you the measure of faith. You got all the faith you need. But when you begin to get into the word of God, that measure begins to increase in your life. The measure that God's given you becomes more revealed to you. And you begin to walk in it and experience it in a greater way. It comes by hearing. Now recognize this. When, when God wrote this down, when this was first originally penned, they didn't have podcasts. They didn't have videos. You couldn't just push play and let something play. In order for you to hear the word of God on a daily basis, you had to speak it. It had to come out of your mouth. And one of the great resources God has given you is the word spoken out of your mouth. What does the word have to say about your finances? You need to be speaking that. What does the word have to say about this virus? Speak it. What does the word have to say about your family? You need to discover that and think on those things and speak that out of your mouth. I know this may sound super easy. It may sound like you're, you're oversimplifying things, but, but it's true. Just like it would be true if I came to you and I said, hey, just hook this, this hose up to that problem tire. You might look at me and you go, no, no, I'm working really hard here. I'm trying to do this in my own strength and it's not going. There's no way it can be this simple. It is because God's word is the power tool you need. You've got to connect with the word of God. Look at what the word of God has to say. Get it down deep inside you. Discover what it says and come into agreement with it. Fear will make you crazy. But the word of God in your heart, revealed into your mind, coming out of your lips, will help you be sane. 
It will help you see what's really going on. It will bring revelation to the darkness. Fear will make you feel small, but, but when you begin to get into the Word of God, discover what it says, it'll make you feel big because it'll help you recognize that Jesus is in you and that God is for you. And that the Lord, and then the Lord will begin to loom large in your life and your problems will start to feel really small when you get a, a, a good view of what God's word really has to say. Fear is contagious, but so is faith. And that's why we as a church, we as a people, we got to get into the word because there's, there's something God wants us to catch. Just like we focus on the news feeds of those world and it gives us fear. If you'll focus on the news feed of God's word, which is truth, it ain't fake news. It's good news and it's God news and it's truth. It'll bring light to you and revelation to you. And to illustrate this, I want to share some word with you. And I want you to just notice what begins to take place in your heart and in your mind as I read to you these statements. These are fear not statements from the word of God that speak to you all a bunch of different times in the word that God says to fear not. Check this out. Fear not for God is with you. Fear not for God hears you. Fear not for the battle belongs to the Lord. Fear not for God is coming to save you. Fear not for he is here to help you. Fear not for he will strengthen you. Fear not for he will hold you up with his victorious right hand. Fear not for the Lord personally goes ahead of you. Fear not for he will not fail you. Fear not for he will never abandon you. Fear not for the Lord knows your name. Fear not for he will protect you. Fear not for he knows the number of hairs on your head. Fear not for he's out to bless you. Fear not for the Lord will help you. Fear not for he will heal you and give you a great reward. Fear not of the powers of people or the powers of hell. For he has overcome them once and for all. Fear not because nothing can separate you from his love. Fear not because nothing can separate you from his future. Fear not because he's given you the victory. Fear not because it's his pleasure to give you his kingdom. Fear not because he's the first and the last. Fear not because he's the Alpha and the Omega. Fear not because he's the King of all rulers. Death couldn't defeat him. The grave couldn't hold him. And the world cannot overcome him. Fear not because Jesus is alive today and forever. And he is coming back again. Can I get an amen, church? We're not going to be people of fear. We're going to be people of faith. We're not going to be people that miss out on the promise of God. We're not going to join our, our news feed with the news feed of this world and, and, and join our faith with fear. No, no, no. We're going to walk by faith like Joshua and Caleb, and we're going to walk out of this mess better than how we walked into it. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you today in this message? I want you to take a moment and allow the peace of God to rest on you. Allow the hope of God to fill you up right now. Lord, we thank you. You're, you're so good. You're so faithful. You're for us and not against us. And we believe that we serve a God who is not absent from our future and absent from our problems. Lord, you want to be right in the middle of whatever it is that we're facing. And so, Lord, we choose to walk by faith. We choose to align our faith with your word. We choose to dig into your word and get it inside of us and speak it out of our mouth and declare the promises of God in this season. And we know, the God, that you are faithful and you will provide for every need that we have. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.